Hello and welcome to the B2B Video Lab, a podcast about B2B and video. My guest today is Catherine Hyde, owner of Hooper and Hyde. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on, and I'm very excited about having you on, is that you have adopted the use of video all across your business. You're literally using video in pretty much everywhere you can. But before we get to how you're using video in your B2B business, tell us a little bit about what Hooper and Hyde is about. Oh, Hooper Hyde's a law firm, essentially, set up just over two years ago. In fact, I celebrated my two-year anniversary on the 1st of May this year. I set up my own law firm because I, there was a couple of reasons. Firstly, I had benefited from being a self-employed solicitor for the previous three years and realized that there were some great things that were being done in the space, but it didn't quite fully serve me in the way that I wanted it to. And I wanted to leave a legacy to say that I had built something and it was the next challenge really in terms of my career as to I'd always wanted to be a partner of a law firm until I realized that there was no law firm out there that I could find that I really wanted to be a partner of so I realized that I needed to create what I wanted it to be rather than try and join something and change it if that makes sense we mainly look after business clients, so typically micro-businesses and small businesses. We do have a couple of medium-sized businesses that are clients, but for me, I prefer that sector of micro-business and small business just because they're a bit more agile, they're typically owner-managed, so you really get into the, the crux of the business and how it works and the challenges they face and all that sort of thing. And we... There's two ways that I describe what we do without being legal, which is we either help clients avoid a problem or solve a problem. So Hooper and Hyde is now specialised in the B2B space, which is what this podcast is all about. And you've set yourself up as a, a small firm, just building, trying to scale out. What yeah. was it in those early stages that made you think that you might want to start consider using video within your process of building your business? I think it was, for me, I knew I had to get in front of as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. Now, this was May 21 when I launched. So this was still at the point at which where public events were happening, but not really. People were still quite nervous about meeting each other. So it was very much a case of, right, how do I get in front of as many people as possible so that they can get to know me and the business and what we're about and what our values are without me having to literally spend my whole days looking for in-person networking events that really aren't happening all that much at the moment anyway. So it was just, it was a strategic decision. And I can't even remember the point at which I made a conscious decision to start to do video. And I didn't look back at my first LinkedIn video because I'm sure it is absolutely cringeworthy. Please no one go look for it. But yeah, I just I just knew that it was a way for people to get to know me and the business and the values really quickly. So the digitization of many businesses has accelerated over the course of COVID. Do you think COVID gave you the added push to make you digital at first, video first, as some people call it? Maybe. Had, would I have? I think it was a couple of things. It's an easy way to get pe- to get in front of people without. I hate in-person networking, I'm not going to lie. I do it. And once I'm there and I'm chatting to people, absolutely fine, love it. But that initial 
sort of hour build up beforehand, the idea of having to go into a room where you don't know anybody. Am I just going to be standing in the corner, not talking to anyone? Is it going? To, am I going to find anyone who actually I enjoy engaging with? I hate it. So it was actually a bit of an easy kind of, this isn't hard because I've just got to record a one minute video and then post it out there and respond to some comments on it. So I think it was just because it was a bit of an easy option. Would I have still done it had the pandemic not happened? I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that. It Possibly not because I would have had the opportunity to have gone out and done the sort of traditional face-to-face stuff. You've tried quite a few different techniques though. I, it's always interesting when I see somebody who's using video for their business, I tend to go and have a little squiz around, look mm-hmm. at their profiles and see the different places. And you have quite literally tested and trialed video all across your different platforms. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpick the types of videos that you've used. Let's talk okay. us through um, why you've chosen certain platforms, what you've done on them and which you've got successes. So the first one, you've got Facebook videos and you've got Instagram videos that you used what was your idea behind using those two platforms i had originally started out on linkedin and felt that all my eggs were in one basket and actually i should start to consider whether the client base is hanging out on any other social media platforms instagram and facebook came together because you can basically post onto instagram and it automatically uploads to facebook so i didn't really put a huge amount of effort into facebook it's a bit of a byproduct of being on instagram And I've tried out, obviously, the sort of typical stories and reels. And I think the stuff that works the best is just me talking to the camera, to be frank. I think people are interested in the sort of day in the life of stuff, but it's not the stuff that seems to get the most engagement, really. It's the conversational side of video that I think for me, has gotten the most interest just because I think the nature of the profession is typically a bit stuffy, a bit dry, and people like the idea of a human being just talking to them on a video. And actually, they get that sense of that there's a person behind there, not this very serious, sensible, stuffy lawyer on the other side. Yeah. So video, yeah, definitely. I can see video is obviously a really great way of people getting to know your personality yeah. and you've adopted these different styles so that people can talk to you um i really was intrigued by this sort of question and answer process that you have where you ask a question at the start of your video yeah. and go into talking about it um, what happens if you think a business partner is stealing from your accounts those sort yeah. of things because there are there are examples of questions that somebody might legitimately have but they probably won't interact with your video. So do you ever get a sense when you're talking to people that they've interacted with your Facebook video, they've interacted with your Instagram, they haven't necessarily commented, but do you do you get that sort of qualitative feedback? Yeah, not all the time, but most of the time people will say, oh, I saw your video on such and such a platform and realised that that was the kind of work that you did, so that's why I'm getting in touch with you. I've had people... C- send me a message on typically LinkedIn because that is generally where I get most of my leads from saying oh I saw your video from a month ago on that thing I have no idea who they are I don't know that I am I even connected to them I don't know but ultimately they've seen it I've answered a question that has arisen for them or they know someone who've asked the question and that's how they've then found me so the question and answer stuff is really impactful because you're just I'm just answering questions that people are asking but I was going to say, with 
just your core audience that there are hundreds of thousands of small businesses in the UK and they routinely have problems, don't they, which they need to overcome and often really benefit from illegal insights. So I was really inspired by those videos and it, that's great to hear that you're getting inbound inquiries yeah. Yeah. off the back of content that you're not necessarily getting interactions with, yeah. that, that, which leads me on to your choice of different styles within LinkedIn because on LinkedIn, you've adopted your live presentations, Hide and Speak, and I've attended yeah. one of those sessions there. What's your sort of aim behind those? What's your strategic decision to do that? It's a little bit of brand awareness, but from a personal brand perspective, more than it is the business side of things. And it's also to really help elevate other small businesses, because I think it's a lot easier to have a conversation with someone than it is to talk at a camera. People often say to me, oh, I could never do those videos that you do because it just feels too uncomfortable talking at the camera. You just get used to the fact that you almost imagine the camera is the person that you're answering the question to. But it was just very much a case of getting the name out there and also elevating other business owners because there's so many great businesses that are kicking around on these social media platforms, but not really, you're not seeing the person behind them. Well, for me, the person is the single most important element of it. I'm in a people business. I ultimately, my lawyers are people, my clients are people. So if we're not elevating that element, then what have we really got? Now, I'm going to unpick a little bit what you said there about your profession being a little bit stuffy. But before we go to that, I want to ask you about the sort of production standards that you have when you're using a video, because you've got a very consistent brand style mm. with all of your graphical content, but you've got a sort of uh, very easygoing, nicely lit style of video. You haven't gone for sort of big bucks, high profile graphic. Is is Did you feel that that was out of kilter with your sort of brand or what was the decision behind that? First of all, it was that I had no budget for that. So okay. it, literally it was a case of I've got my mobile phone and I've got a little microphone that does the job from Amazon. And then, actually, I thought, it's for me personally, it makes it more accessible if it's just very relaxed, very informal, not highly produced. I, I see other law firms, the larger ones anyway, with these really produced videos that just feel horribly awkward and a bit stuffy. And actually, the one of the values of the business is that we ultimately are approachable. If I've got some overproduced, perfectly lit, studio-based video, that doesn't make me that approachable, does it? Whereas if someone feels like they're just watching me talking whilst sat in a coffee shop or a pub, that's going to feel much more natural and therefore give that sense of approachability, I think. I thought that. That's interesting that you say that because I do sometimes look at videos, as you say, with peer organisations and they look so very slick yeah. that it feels like I'm watching a newscast and less like yeah. I'm having an interaction. So I, right. I, I empathise with that. I wondered what it was about the live video sessions that attracted you. Did you benefit from direct feedback? Would people tend to follow up with you afterwards? So there'll be people that are watching the comment and we tend to try and answer any questions on the live as they crop up. It doesn't always work because the conversation sometimes has moved on by the point at which we get the question but then I will always follow up and say look thanks for the question whatever they're not always aimed at me anyway because often we're talking about the client's business rather than mine why did I do it live 
I don't think there's any kind of rationale behind it, really. I've got the functionality. Let's see what happens. And I think it it then means, again, that it's a bit more relaxed and informal. And there's no kind of, there's no need for me to go back and edit it because it's not, it's sitting as the kind of recorded live version on YouTube and LinkedIn. And I think it, does it live on Facebook? I think it stays on Facebook as well. Um, lends itself to that sort of relaxed idea rather than going back and produce producing something that's perfectly slick and professional. Where do you draw the lines on boundaries about stuff you talk about? Because I've been following your content for quite some time. So I know, for instance, that you have a partner that you have a different sort of adventures with. You've got, yeah. you've got, I know that you, the sort of size of your family, the activities you do, and I even know when you've been a bit sick overwhelmed because you're you know you're very honest and you're very open about that and you've got this nice personable style i wondered is there a sort of a, a limit like a boundary that you draw between interactions that you have particularly with video and the sort of marketing videos that you'll make where and where do you draw that line and how do you make that choice yeah i suppose the videos tend to be either legal videos so answering questions or perhaps some kind of commentary on a case that i've been dealing with that I can give enough detail without giving away too much because obviously it's confidential. So I can't name names or give specifics enough for someone to know what the ca- who the case is about or whatever. And then in terms of the personal stuff, the video content still tends to be business ownership stuff. I've, I know I've shared a couple of videos that my husband's produced, some funny ones where he, he's been messing around at home doing the cleaning or whatever. But the videos that I create tend to be just around business ownership and kind of the challenges or having a bad day or this is really hard because I didn't, why did I produce that? I don't want people to think that owning a business is like super amazing and it's super easy. And guess what? You over there that's struggling, ah, screw you because I'm finding this really easy. It's not at all. And I don't want anyone to think that just because I'm a lawyer and therefore supposedly perfect at everything I do, actually, I'm just a human being doing a particular job, running and building a business, and I want them to get that sense they they really are going on that journey with me. In terms of the other stuff that isn't necessarily video content, which is a bit more personal, I just decided that these were the certain things that I was comfortable talking about. So I'm happy for people to know that I'm married. I'm happy for people to know that I have children. I'm happy for them to know that I go on little adventures. And those were the kind of personal pieces that for me, I was like, yeah, I'm okay with people knowing that about me because ultimately, again, it lends itself to that approachability. Well, people have to know some stuff about me to feel like they can approach me as a human and not that, oh, I don't know if I've got anything in common with you. I don't know what you're going to be like when I have an interaction with you. So why would I pick you over anyone else? So yeah. It's about deciding what you're comfortable with people knowing. Some people wouldn't be comfortable with other people knowing they have kids or that they've been to Wales on a caravanning holiday. But for me, I'm okay with people knowing that about me. There's stuff about my personal life people don't know and I'm not going to ever talk about because they don't need to know it. Typically, I think it's just about deciding what you're comfortable revealing about yourself. It obviously takes quite a bit of time for you to create the content that you do and there's thought that goes into it and you're strategic. I wondered, as you get bigger and you have plans to be obviously an ambitious person, as you have plans to increase the size of your business, how do you think that you'll be able to manage the exposure that's required 
for you as a personal brand, but also the needs and requirements of running your business as you get bigger? Will you still be featuring as much in videos, do you think? I don't know. I haven't really given this much thought. And I think I probably will, at least I would say for the next three years. I think there will come a tipping point probably where it doesn't make sense for me to necessarily be at the forefront of those videos because it will be about so much more than just me and people wanting to come and work with the brand because of what they get from interacting with me on those platforms. But for now, I don't actually put a huge amount of time into the content. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Half the time, it's a case of, oh, I've been asked this question a couple of times this week. I'll do a video on it. Oh, that might be an interesting thing to say. Or I might pre-record three or four videos because they've cropped up within a short amount of time that I'll then post at later dates. But there's not a huge amount, I hate to say it, there's not a huge amount of strategy that goes into it from a time perspective. I don't spend hours on end planning out my content. It's very much what feels like an important thing to say. And then I do have themes. I did a month where a lot of the pre-recorded stuff was around contract and that sort of thing. And I had another one where it was about falling out with your co-directors. So there is, there'll be a theme, but it's not, I don't spend, I'm not going to lie, I don't spend a huge amount of time planning this stuff out. I put an hour or two a month, probably. That would be really heartening to some of those business owners that are perpetually worried that they're not doing enough, especially making their own video content. I'm going to now go return back to that point you made about your profession being, shall we be charitable and say a little bit stuffy? So what benefit has there been then? Being a small organization, you're agile, you can make decisions about making content. How has that held you in good stead making videos? It means it sets us apart, I think, for a start off, because the legal profession, and it's getting better, right, but it's always way behind it other industries the legal profession has always been a bit of a closed book and you never really knew what it was like on the other side and even when you were a client you never really knew what it was like on the other side and I think actually it's meant that I've been able to set the business and the lawyers apart from so many other firms so people already get a sense of what we're going to be like because they've already watched a few videos and so when the person that pops up on the other side of the Zoom, for example, or in the meeting, is the same person that they've been watching for the last couple of months. That's reassuring. So it's a, for me, video, I think, has really set us apart from so many other law firms because the law firms just aren't doing it. And like you've said earlier, if they are, they're very overproduced, very curated videos that f- still don't feel hugely relaxing. They're kind of typical like training videos, I suppose, is what they come across. And it just feels contrived. I've got a lot of experience making case study videos because of my background in observational documentary. Mm. I love chatting to people and listening to their stories. And it makes it really easy Mm. to relate when you see somebody talking in a video about something they love. And the truth is, I guess, for the legal profession, a lot of times when people are coming for Hooper and Hyde services, they're probably in a slightly difficult situation. So it's probably quite comforting that they've had the opportunity to engage with you previously. And I like the idea, obviously, that you very much adopted demand generation as your style of pushing your content out there because lots of people just don't need your services right now. But because you're in front of them, you're you're, you're in a prime position to be chosen 
for that service. How have you joined up then the next part of your process? So you, you've got a lot of profile. Mm. You've got video out there that's pushing your brand. How do you then coagulate all those leads and form a nice funnel for inbound inquiries? The, just taking it a step back a little bit because actually one of the things that I really like about video is it you've almost pre-qualified somebody because they already have decided before they've gotten on the phone with you or a video call with you whether or not they think you're the right fit which is great right because 99% of the inquiries that we get that turn into the next stage which would be a video call to, to chat through what the issue is and whether we can help they've already decided they want to work with us so really it's just a case of us deciding whether we want to work with them and if we're the right are we can we do this work so i think it's actually a step before that that we get an opportunity to filter out the people that wouldn't be the right fit before we've even started then the next step is typically they would get in touch with us usually either via linkedin or email if they've gone onto the website and just book an informal free no obligation chat for half an hour like i said to figure out whether or not we're the right fit for them are we the right fit for them and can we do the work once we've done that video call it's typically a video call i prefer video calls to telephone just because again it's that it's a it's just a much more human interaction you can see body language you can see reactions to things i just think it's i just think it's more personal so if someone's at the other end of the country it doesn't matter because there's still that sort of face it, the face-to-face thing and then it's a case of we will probably then typically, because 99% of the time we can't do a quote there, and then I'll go away and say, send me these documents, I need to see this, and then I will send you a quote for the work. And you get a very clear idea of how much something's going to cost. So I'm not up for hourly rate where I basically charge you whatever I feel like on any given day. Typically, it will be right fixed fee to get you from here to here or to do this piece of work or these are the options you can choose from and this is how much each one's those is going to cost depending on what you go but yeah it's yeah it's a pretty straightforward process really and then we just open a file and get going i suppose the great advantage for your company is that because you are a service-based business and it's about human interaction once people have seen you in your videos and then maybe even they'd have they've had an opportunity to interact on one of your live events Mm. that's there's nothing else to see is there it's not like they need to see a machine for them to say yeah i like catherine and i can't decide yet until i've seen her machine it's catherine you're the person they're going to work for which is great so let me just do a summary so you've got video use it all the way through the early stages of Mm -hmm. your sales and marketing process you attract clients with it you're using it to qualify clients when you qualify when you are you saying that they are self-qualifying themselves by looking at your content or do you have i missed do you have interactive video content as well i haven't missed that have i no i think they self-qualify because i think they'll watch a video and decide for themselves if they think i'm the right person or because the lawyers that also work for me tend to be similar they work similar ways they have similar values so I think they've already decided for themselves if they think I'm the right person. Because some people are going to want that very serious grey suit, super spangly, posh offices in the centre of London. Some people want that and that's fine, but they will know that I'm not that as soon as they've watched a handful of videos. So they will already have made a decision for themselves whether or not they think well, actually we're the kind of law firm that they would want to work with. I wonder with your videos being so profligate out there 
were there's any videos that you subsequently regretted doing and wanted to take down? Not that I can remember. <laughs> I want to go back through my videos now and be like, oh, I'm sure my first few. If I think about it, actually, I think the confidence with which I speak has probably changed quite a lot because it is quite nerve-wracking filming yourself and then putting it out into the public domain, especially when it's not been looked at by a professional and no one has said, oh, no, re-record that bit because it doesn't quite make sense. I don't, I do re-record them if I stumble over my words, but I don't agonize. I don't spend hours and hours agonizing over them. Typically, it's a handful of takes and then the last one is the one that I post. But yeah, maybe there isn't. I just don't know, but I don't, I can't think of any. So hopefully there isn't any. I'm going to pick up on that point that you just talked about there when you refer to people looking over your work. In your industry, certainly in larger firms, there's that sort of large teams of compliance and Mm. regulators that look over content to make sure that you're not putting stuff out which is obviously sensitive or which is contravening some sort of regulations. How do you self-manage yourself and your content? You don't go into any detail I've seen in any of your cases and you talk in generic terms. Is there a requirement with some of your content to put a sort of like a pre-qualifying, this is not legal advice, or how do you get around that? Yeah, I do tend to make it clear that something isn't legal advice. <laughs> There's got to be some common sense applied to these things. If I record a video asking a generic question about what is a contract, and clearly I'm not advising someone directly, but I think it's just important to make clear that actually something isn't legal advice. And then in terms of the regulator they just don't want you to do anything that brings the profession into disrepute. As long as I'm not swearing and being drunk on video and making myself look like an idiot, and it's, it's fine. But I think it's just about maintaining an air of professionalism whilst being friendly and approachable. It's, I don't think it's any more complicated than that, really. You've got your video content out there. You're getting inbound inquiries, which means yep. that you know that it's working. I'm interested now looking forward then, how do you see the future developing for the type of video content you make? Or is there anything that you haven't been making that you want to? Have you considered TikTok or Snapchat? Or is there different avenues that you might be going down in the next few months? I do do have a TikTok channel. My use of it is a bit sporadic. I have very much found my feet with LinkedIn, so it tends to be the place I, I hang out the most. And sometimes I will... Re, I will repurpose the content for TikTok. I think I'm not convinced that my client base is hanging out on TikTok all that much. I know that there are businesses that are on TikTok, but I think typically those are probably managed by either in-house social media managers, those channels, or external people who are managing those platforms for business owners. I don't think the actual owners are typically hanging out on LinkedIn, on TikTok. So I have played about with it but I'm just not sure it's really worth putting a huge amount of time and energy into. I have been working on some content for YouTube and that again I haven't put a huge amount of effort into it but I know it is a great place for video and I am told that it's one of the kind of the biggest places for searching for video. So long term will be to build that out and I think I would probably take a more professional approach to that content simply because you've got your channel and it just these I think the expectation with YouTube is that actually things look a bit more 
produced and more refined. So I will probably look to that at some point in time. But to be honest, hopefully, as long as LinkedIn doesn't go anywhere, whilst I'm dealing with everything, actually LinkedIn really is the place that I have had the most success with all of it and will probably be the place that my attention stays really for now. With regards to the way that your videos perform then, what do you for yourself feel is like a metric of success? I'm going to refer in in the work that I do, I often have large single ticket items. People buy a series of videos mm. and it will be a month's worth of work and I just need that one client to be happy and that's a fair chunk of work for me for the month. Yeah. So I don't need hundreds and hundreds of people to mm. be coming to the door and asking for video and you're a small firm, yeah. so you don't need a, a huge volume, but you need a continuous volume. So how do you measure the success on the metrics on your videos? What's the measure? It would usually be, have we had at least one inquiry from this video? And is it a good inquiry? Because, you know, you can have 10 inquiries come in, but actually none of them are worth, they're not the kind of work that you need or whatever. So usually it would be, has this video given us at least one warm lead from this content? But a lot of what I post actually isn't even about that. It's about brand awareness. And it very much was right from the beginning because as you alluded to earlier, people don't necessarily need us straight away, but I need to be at the forefront of their mind when they do. So it's for me, it's about constantly interrupting their feed and reminding them that I'm there. And somebody did say to me, you are always at the top of my LinkedIn feed. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and that is the point. <laughs> Because I want to be the person that everybody thinks about when they need a lawyer. Even if it's they're having a friend, a conversation with a friend down the road and that person says they need a lawyer, I want to be the person that pops in their mind. So it isn't always about getting a lead, although some of the content is about saying, hey, this is the kind of work that we do and this is how we approach it. So yes, of course, those ones, we would want that to turn into some kind of recommendation or referral. But yeah, a lot of it is actually just about brand awareness and people re be, being reminded that we're here. Because large law firms or other law firms typically have budgets for this stuff, marketing and advertising budgets. I, I spend a very small amount of money on any of this stuff because actually I found that the free things that I have been doing, albeit there's a time cost for me, work so much better than anything I've ever paid for. Oh, you fired my next question out of the water then i was <laughs> going to see i was like damn let me work around it let's just okay. say does that mean then i was going to say do, ha, have you actually experimented with paid mm. ad spend on any of your videos because I, I haven't noticed any and if i'm honest because i follow your content anyway i think i get it into my feed and therefore i'm watching it and i'm interacting yeah and i just thought to myself I don't know if Catherine's using any money at all on on any ads. I've never paid I've never paid for ads and actually I'm just currently in the process of doing a paid ad campaign with a marketing agency for the reason that I wanted to see if it would stabilize the incoming inquiries so that we could get a little bit more control over it. So it wasn't completely reliant on me and my social media presence. Can we do something else that adds to the ability to get inbound inquiries? It's still very much video based. So the paid ads will be based on videos, not just pay-per-click on Google or whatever. But yeah, 
so funny you should ask that question but so far i have paid i've paid no money for advertising i tried a company back at the end of last year we tried pay-per-click it fell flat on its face i didn't really have the budget that needed to be spent on it so i think i switched it off after about four months and decided it it wasn't going to work and then i also paid a company who approached me and said that they sold leads and they usually it's 10 leads per month for a minimum of 12 months but they said they were trying to get into the legal sphere so would i be interested in just paying for a one-off 10 leads i got leads none of them were or sorry nine out of 10 of them were for work we didn't even do so i was like that doesn't work and the one that we did get was just not the right fit for us the kind of work that we do but just from a personality perspective just wasn't the right fit so I didn't take that forward because there was there it was too much of a disconnect for me between the person being sent to us and our values as a business. So I just I didn't take that any further. So far, the two times I have spent any money on this, it hasn't worked. So I'm now trying or will be, it'll be launching next month, paid ads, but using video. Interesting. So we've established then Hooper and Hyde, you've got yourself out and about on social media platforms you're on instagram which means you're reposting to facebook you're extensively deploying yourself all across linkedin so your youtube you've got some existing shorts on there and you yes. want to go to longer form what's the ambition behind making that longer form content on youtube it will be similar to some of the stuff that's on there but like you say longer form so answering particular questions that people are generally googling but I think there's just something more reassuring about a person answering that question, a qualified lawyer answering that question, than it is hoping that the website that you land on is actually telling you the right thing. Again, it's really, it's a case of brand awareness more than anything, than it will be any kind of, I'm not intending to use it for making money using ad allowing people to advertise on the channel or anything like that there's no intention there i understand that it's quite difficult actually to get to that point so that's not an ambition of mine it's very much a case of where else can we be that we can get some brand awareness going on yeah because your videos are very short and punchy but they're also not salesy there's no sort of like mm. and if you want to get legal advice come to us and we're in, it's very yeah not, I, I, that just gives me the ick quite frankly <laughs> just don't <laughs> I just don't want to be that person. That's just not who I am. Do you know what? We're here. This is the work that we do. If you like what you do, please get in touch. Like, it's that simple. I'm never going to force someone. I don't want someone to feel like they've been strong-armed into working with us. So is there, a, I was going to say then, Is there, are you in the, a position now then with two years of running your business where you'll be looking at some of those more hard-to-reach types of videos like testimonials and case studies from your existing clients? Yeah, maybe. I know that particularly with the dispute stuff, people tend to feel a bit battered, a bit bruised, grateful, but they just want to move on. I don't know if I would necessarily want to ask the clients to then put more energy into something that probably they want to forget about. I do ask for testimonials. We've got Google reviews and I've got LinkedIn recommendations and, and that sort of thing. But I hasn't I don't know. I don't know if if it would add more. I don't know if it would be worth the effort, I think is what I'm trying to say. I don't know if it would be worth the effort required to get that content would give an impact over and above just having a written recommendation from somebody. Have you, have you ever tried to go viral with one of your videos? 
I did, I suppose it depends what you call viral. One of my videos did get 9,000 views within 24 hours, which I was quite excited about because I was like, oh, and then it went down to about 204 the day after for the next video. Of course, we all, it's all very exciting going viral, but actually, what does it really mean if it's not being watched by the right people? I'd rather have 200 views from the right people than 8,000 views from the wrong. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have, isn't it? The sort of vanity metrics that some people have is pointless because you only need, if you've got four slots for work that month, you just need those four slots filled, don't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's great to have hundreds of likes and loads of views on something, but what does it really mean? With such a fantastic array of videos that you've made, I'm just going to ask you, what is your favourite ones that you actually enjoy making the most? Uh, what are my favourite ones that I enjoy? quite like the moany ones to be honest <laughs> i like the offloading ones where i'm like oh this is too hard and i can't do it anymore i think because it helps it's a bit cathartic to get it out like you're having whinge to your best friend i think the easiest ones tend to be the ones that i just think of and fire out there in the moment i did one earlier i've posted one on linkedin earlier today that i literally just thought of because i was typical kind of business owner way just mulling over everything that was going on in the business and thought actually that would be an interesting thing to say to people to give people an insight into how the last two years have come about but yeah I think the ad hoc stuff for me the stuff I haven't really had to think about the stuff that it pops into my head and I just record a quick one minute video is my favorite I think is it's the easy when it's definitely the ones I, I do it's it's not schadenfreude it's not like reveling in somebody else's misery but there is that feeling of alliance when you're sat there watching somebody going god yeah especially when you resonate with the message i'm having a tough day today i've just the cars broke i've had a client not turn up and yeah i can definitely find some of your videos i think it's important for other business owners to know that we're all just winging it we're all just doing our best on a daily basis to figure out how to do this. And some days are harder than others. And I've seen posts on LinkedIn from other law firm owners where they're going on about how amazing everything is. And then weeks later, suddenly they're winding up the business and you're like, hang on a second, which was it? Because you can't possibly have gone from that to that within the space of three weeks. So how did you, how did that happen? And then it just doesn't feel real because it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Whereas if I'm going, do you know what, actually great day having a brilliant day and then a week later this is really hard i can't do it people like you said people do resonate with that they feel a sense of solidarity with you that you know that you're experiencing the same things that they are where's the difference between the videos that are best received and the ones that get you the most leads what's the difference do you find uh uh, the best received ones tend to be the more personal ones my best performing post I think ever in the last two years was the one where I shared the fact that I was having a cooked breakfast on my own in Carluccio's <laughs> and it was a photo of my breakfast and video wise it was I think it's the one where I said this is the single most boring video you're ever going to watch so don't bother um, and it really was the single most boring video that anyone has ever watched it was me banging on about how hard it was to be a business owner and how tired I was but the ones that get the most leads are typically the ones where I'm answering a specific question I'm, what do you do if you've fallen out with a co-director? These are the practical steps to take to next, right? So yeah, that's the difference really. It's like people love interacting with the personal stuff, but actually the bit that gets the most leads is generally the answering the question and someone going, oh, 
actually, that's cropped up for me. I'll drop her a line. Now, for those company owners that are listening to this podcast that are thinking about video for themselves, could you give them some words of encouragement? What do you think they need to do to overcome their fears holding them back from getting video started? Or what could they be doing to maybe do more video? What would you say to those owners out there? You do have to just rip off the band-aid and just record your first video. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it back. You can always turn your phone around because most people will obviously record their videos looking at the screen. And if that feels a bit uncomfortable, just turn it around and record it that way. So you're just looking at the camera, not the screen, because that can be a little bit distracting when you're looking at your own face, talking to yourself. It feels a bit weird. Um, Try and have good light. So natural light on your face is generally better. And I've seen people recording videos where you can't really see their face and that's no good either. And you've just got to do it. Unfortunately, you've just got to start. I, Like I said, I don't think I want to look back on any of the videos that I recorded early doors because I'm sure they're really cringeworthy. But just don't watch them. Just record it and post it and leave it and then just deal with the comments. Most people, in fact, I don't think I've had anyone say anything mean to me yet about my videos. Maybe they're thinking it, but they're certainly not saying it. And that's fine, right? You're not, you can't be all things to all people all of the time. So definitely has been a game changer for me, to be frank. I think it has hugely helped build brand awareness and for people to, people have said it to me. They've said, I feel like I know you, but I clearly don't know you because I've never actually spoken to you. But they then speak to me on the phone and feel like they know me because they've watched video content. And what's not to love about that? Because it's reassuring to them that they know what they go, what their interaction is going to be like. So I think you've just got to you've just got to do it. You've just got to get over yourself and just do it. That's great advice. Now, if anybody out there is looking for an example of a brand, as Catherine said in this podcast, she's come from a startup to do really quite well because of the power of video. Catherine, where can people find you? Where can they see the examples of you doing good video work on the internet? They can see examples of me doing video work. I don't know if it's good or not. (laughs) But I, like I said, I'm on LinkedIn. I've got an Instagram page that I do have a Facebook page, but it tends to be repurposed. So I probably wouldn't necessarily send people there. And I am on TikTok. But again, I think, oh, and YouTube. I do have a YouTube channel. But most of the content you will find on LinkedIn more than anywhere else, really. I'll put links to your social profiles in the show notes. Now, let's just be very clear for people that are potentially your customers out there. Very specifically, I know because I've watched loads of your videos, but tell me who are your key customers then that you're targeting with your videos and who Um, should get in contact with you? Yeah, they tend to be owner-managed businesses, usually five to 10 years in handful of employees usually again in the service-based professions so that marketing agencies are a big core of client base um, architects accountants um yeah th- those kind of like ser- service-based businesses i do have clients that are in the construction industries but typically they are generally a service kind of professional services industries yeah i'm going to put connections to Catherine's profiles all in the show notes I thoroughly encourage any listener to this podcast to go and look at the different styles of videos she's producing. And thank you so much for your time, Catherine. Really appreciate it. Anytime.